You're now listening to the River Claremont Podcast. You have to take authority over your carnal mind. It will sit there and it will tell you that the things that the preacher is saying is not true, but the things that the preacher is saying is from the word of God. And the things that the preacher is saying is meant to do something in your life. And I get it. I grew up in church. There's a lot of nonsense that goes on. You listen to some people's messages and you're like, what? Excuse me, but how do I apply this to my life? What is the purpose of this sermon right now? (laughs) So today I just want to honor Pastor Caleb because I asked him if I could give you this message. It, It doesn't often happen. Sorry, I'm trying to find my notes here. Uh, It doesn't often happen that Sunday falls on this day. This day is a, it's a very special day. Today is my sister's 38th birthday. My sister is in heaven. And she has been for over, it'll be 20 years, December 25th. She was super dramatic, so she had to leave the earth Christmas morning. But, uh, so, (laughs) I don't, I don't want people... (laughs) To cry, I might get choked up. I do get choked up whenever I think of myself and what I'm missing when she's not here. And I, and I, I, you know, I have those, it, it happens, it's been happening for 20 years. I have those very selfish moments where I'm like, dang it, why couldn't you just be here today? Like, I need you right now. You know, I need my sister. She, I am a wuss, okay? I'm just going to tell you right now. I, I know it doesn't look like that. This is the Holy Ghost boldness. But I, I'm, I'm a wuss. Like, people will just, they'll just spew vomit, right, it, directly in my face. And I'll just stand there and just blink at them. And then later I'll get mad. And I'm like, dang it, if my sister had been here, she would have ripped them a new one right away, you know, and me and my brother, we just let her defend us. So if anybody was ever bothering us, you know, we never had to build up a backbone. We, we would just be like, Kelly, you know, you know what so-and-so did? Oh, I'm going to tell them right now. <laughs> she was so feisty. I mean, you, this girl could not be contained. So uh, the title of my sermon today is He is Still Faithful or beauty for ashes and uh, amen and as my dad said you may have come in here looking ash ugly but he's gonna make you beautiful amen it all depends on the perspective of how you look at it so uh I hear this question all the time you probably see it all the time why do bad things happen to good people? Okay, Genesis 3. You can go home and read it. Whole chapter. Highly recommend it. Okay? Adam and Eve living in perfection in the garden. A tree they weren't supposed to eat. So it's the one tree, the one fruit. It was forbidden. And like the devil has been doing since Genesis, he lied. He took God's own words and he twisted it and he said, but did God really say? But did he really say? I think God is trying to keep something good from you. So eat this 
fruit. And uh, it does say fruit. Everybody likes to joke that it's an apple. You know, it's hilarious. Apple iPhone, wada, wada, wada. As if the same demons can't come through an Android. I'm just here to say. <laughs> hilarious. I always am like, no, 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 no. The fruit they ate, we're going to have to get to heaven and like watch the recording. We don't know what it looks like. Anyways, so uh, we live in a fallen world. That was the fall. So we live in a fallen world. So things are broken. Things are twisted. But the Lord comes to heal and restore, okay? All right. Fallen world, anything but perfect. Heaven, perfect. God, perfect. God, Good, devil, bad, every good, every entertaining movie you've ever watched has always had the light fighting the darkness. Two things can be true at the same time. God can be good and the devil can be bad. Amen? So, of course, everybody in this room has a phenomenal testimony. We've all suffered through various trials, and we've all wondered why. So go with me, and I'm going to ask the computer. Thank you. <laughs> Can't see him sometimes. John 16:33. we're going to put it up on the screen. Amplified Classic. I have told you these things, this is Jesus now, so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, and undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it wholly joyful. Are we get, is it getting up on there? Okay. Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped or in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith brings out endurance and steadfastness and patience. But, endure, but let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. Now turn to your neighbor right now and say, this message is for me. God has something for me. And I will not leave here until I am dismissed <laughs> so I don't miss out on the part that's for me. Pastor Caleb and I are not in ministry for kicks and giggles. We're not in ministry for the money. He's really smart. He can make money doing a lot of other things, I'll tell you. Okay, a lot more money. A lot. I'm not going to lie. So much money that we could live off of a, 
live the high life off of the third of the income and give the rest away to the church and the missions. That's how much money this man can make. But we laid our life down. Okay. Just say, if there's any of you in here being like, oh, that church has to be after my money. No, we ain't. Keep it. You'll be broke as a joke for the rest of your life. You can learn to give, and then you can learn to receive, or you can just be a stingy tightwad for the rest of your life. But one day you're going to get to heaven, and you're going to find out. You missed out. All right, 1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, do not be amazed and bewildered at the fiery ordeal. Did, wait, did, that, did the Bible just say that? I put it on the black. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there you go. At the fiery ordeal, which is taking place to test your quality. What? As though something strange, unusual, and alien to you and your position were befalling you. Pastor Caleb was preaching on favor, and people were coming up, and they're like, Life is so hard, and it's so awful, and how could this be? How could I have favor when it's awful? I'm going to tell you. We're going to get through this, okay? First Peter 5, 9 through 10. Withstand him, talking about the enemy. Be firm in faith against his onset, rooted, established, strong, immovable, and determined, Knowing that the same identical sufferings are appointed to your brotherhood, the whole body of Christians throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts all blessing and favor, who has called you to his own eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself complete you and make you what you ought to be, establish and ground you securely and strengthen and settle you. There is encouragement in the word of God for everything you're going through. And I remember reading this, you know, when I was young. I've been in church my whole life. My story is very different than Pastor Caleb. And um, when I was younger, you know, you read Fox's Book of Martyrs. And so you, in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, get geared up, you know, for the whips and the chains and the prison and, and you know, like the pulling my hair out and, uh, you know, stripes and, and just horrible things. But this is what you get prepared for as a child growing up in a Pentecostal church, okay? <laughs> but then you grow up and you're like, that, Lord, what I'm suffering through just doesn't look like what I expected. What I'm suffering through looks like people misunderstanding me. What I'm suffering looks like, looks like people lambasting me and questioning my motives online. I didn't expect this, God. I expected something different. I expected to be tortured for Christ, not misunderstood. But God is faithful. 1 John 5, 4 through 5. For whatever is born of God is victorious over the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith. Who is it that is victorious over that conquers the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, who adheres to, trusts in, and relies on that fact? Psalm 40, 9 through 10. I like to go through all my scriptures at once so that when I get going, I don't forget. 
you know. I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness in the great assembly, tidings of uprightness and right standing with God. Behold, I have not restrained my lips. As you know, O Lord, I have not concealed your righteousness within my heart. I have proclaimed your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not hid away your steadfast love and your truth from the great assembly. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So I'm the firstborn child. And uh, 23 months later, my parents were already in the ministry. My dad had been ministering since he was 18. And then he married my mom. And my mom had only been saved since she was 17. So then she had me at about 19. And two years later, she has my sister at 21. Now, they were in a faith church. Now, don't get me wrong. I love I love the word of faith because it's biblical because the Bible says that God himself created the whole world with his words and we're supposed to be like him so whatever words that come out of our mouth we're actually framing our world with our words and people they they will mock you for it they'll say you're just name it claim it and frame it but here's the deal whether they believe it or not they are they've actually created their own world and then you'll hear them complain and you'll hear them be like, well, everything's awful. And then you'll look at their life and you'll be like, everything actually is awful in their life. So anyways, my parents get together and unbeknownst to the two of them, they're both carriers for a genetic disease. Now, I'm not a carrier. I've been tested. I'm not a carrier. If you know anything about biology, I'm a science nerd. That's kind of rare. I mean, you know, you have a one in four chance. There were only three of us. I don't know if my brother's carry. I don't know if he ever got tested. So there's three of us. It's me, it's my sister, and my brother. So she's 23 months younger. Can you just put up a baby photo of her, please? I like to just give you a, a little picture, okay? She was born, and when she was born, her belly blew up like a football. Um, and then they, it, it was like... When I look back, I don't know how my parents even handled it. I mean, of course, you know, when you're going through trauma, you're probably just mostly in shock. So they have to drive from Multino, where she's born, all the way down to Cape Town. And my sister had gotten fl life lighted because it was a dire situation. So at three days old, they tell my parents that, you know, they had to clear her system because she was backed up. It was a condition if you know anything about cystic fibrosis, that's in your lungs, but it's also, her, for her, it was in her pancreas. Now, some people who have cystic fibrosis, could it, it could either be in their lungs or it could be in the, the pancreas, but for her, it was both. And for her, it was really bad. And my parents never once said this because they were a household of faith that she was going to live and not die and proclaim the glory of God. And um, she wasn't supposed to live past four years old. So Carol just... Give me some more baby photos. So I didn't have any of the photos of her in hospital. I'm sure my parents probably have it in the basement. But, I, you know, I didn't have time to go root around in the basement for them. So she just looks like such a happy, healthy child you would never know. And, and um, the thing that annoyed her more than anything is she would be coughing. Like having a coughing fit is very common. Some precious, well-meaning person would come over and start slapping her on the back, 
well, that would make it worse. And she can't even breathe because she's in the middle of a coughing fit and she can't even talk to tell them, please don't touch me. You're making it worse. I mean, seriously, like a stranger coming and just starting like hitting you on the back thinking you're like choking and you're like, it's, it's, it's a horrible situation. So we would have to be like, no, 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 take your hands off her. Take your hands off of her, please. You're, you're hurting her. You're actually making it worse. So nobody would ever know that she was sick until she had a coughing fit, and then they thought, well, you know, it's just bronchitis or whatever. So it was like a thick mucus that settled in her lungs. So basically every single infection that came down the pike, like a bronchitis or a pneumonia, would settle in her lungs, and then she would have to be hospitalized, and then she would have to have all the treatments until she got better and she could be released and be her sassy self. She was still sassy in the, in the hospital. This is like the only picture where she just got a normal face. Everything else, she's just smiling. She just always looked happy. Look at her. <laughs> That's me and my brother, just <laughs> for reference. Uh, so, you know, she lived more of life. To me, looking back, she lived more of a life in 18 years than I look at a lot of people living sometimes 80 or 90. My parents didn't treat her like a bubble child. I mean, as you can see, we're at Disney World. There's like hundreds of people. There's cooties everywhere. Um, you know, most, most kids that are born with cystic fibrosis are treated like a bubble child and they never leave the house. But she never wanted anybody to know that she was sick. She was, she was always just like, anything you can do, I can do better. It was a challenge. If you could climb the mountain, she could climb the mountain better. Pastor Summer is like, she reminds me so much of my sister. I mean, I love everybody, but... It, because she reminds me of my sister so much. She's so bold and so strong, such a zest for life. Like, you are not going to know that there's anything wrong with that child. Would you? And she wouldn't let you either. And she wouldn't let you pity her. It's so different than us when we're like, I stubbed my toe. I think I need to be in bed for two weeks. I feel like such a weenie when I do that. I, I, Lord have mercy. So, Okay. So not only did she have this disease. So here's my dad. He's a faith. He preaches faith. She's born just, just you can stop the pictures just for one second. Um, she's born, and the other people in the church just know this. Not everybody in the church is full of faith. People think that faith is, oh, well, I confess that Jesus is Lord, and I'm saved, so now I have faith. No, all the scriptures I just read said that faith, the testing and the trial of your faith, you only have faith for the things that you've been tested and tried on. And, you know, don't feel ashamed if there's a new adventure in faith to be like, yes, I'm going to join hands with my friend and I'm going to believe God with you because God is a, he's a big, great God. So, uh, my sister, she loved everything beautiful. She hated with every fiber of her being that she had to be born in the ugliest month of the year. <laughs> Everywhere I go, there's skeletons and spiders and cobwebs. And, ugh. She was very vocal about it every time. And we're like, we know, we know. I'm so sorry, Kelly. She hated Halloween. 
She hated it, and I hate it too. So then you guys will be like, well, why are you doing Halloween night? Because I want to kick the devil where it hurts. Because I want to get a soul that was going to hell, and I want to take it to heaven. That's why. Because I've got a different motivation. Because I heard the song, my God is greater, my God is stronger. Whoa! I got a goal, okay? As soon as my sister left the earth, I was like, seriously? I just wanted to be where she was, and I just wanted to be where Jesus was. I wasn't suicidal. It's hard to explain that. But I wanted to get to heaven. I mean, come on. We all want to go to heaven. It's a beautiful place. Seriously, if you don't know about it, you should read more. <laughs> it's phenomenal. Um, so... You know, we have a plan and purpose. The reason why I'm on this earth is because my job isn't done yet, okay? So I don't want to boil it down to anything that seems irreverent, but how many of you ever played the little Mario game that we grew up with when I was younger? And, you know, you're running along and you're collecting coins and you're trying not to die. <laughs> so, you know... I view the earthly races like that. You're running along collecting souls, trying not to die just yet. <laughs> you know, I want more. Every, every time I lead somebody to Jesus, I'm like, cha-ching. <laughs> I'm like, that, that is our reward on the other side. I, you know, it, it's exciting. It's fun. Fulfill the passion and purpose of your life. I'm also called to be a, a wife to Pastor Caleb. I'm also called to be a mom to my girls. People want me to preach more, and I'm like, you know, all in good time. I do get to, to share with you from time to time. But my season right now is uh, being the best mom I can be, which, I mean, we all know this is a challenge. <laughs> like PC said, hey, they're alive. <laughs> <laughs> They're healthy. They look pretty cute. <laughs> Whew! <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you can switch to uh, some more of the pictures. So, so this kid, she was an inspiration, and she she still is. I mean, she just always looked radiant, always looked beautiful. Never knew knew that she was sick and. I mean, I was looking through the photos, I was like, there's barely a photo. She's not just smiling, you know, just happy. That in these photos, she looks more like my dad. And uh, Kelly, my, I'm Kelly, Ellie, <laughs> I didn't call her Kelly because I wanted her to have her own name. And then when she messed up, I didn't want to be calling my sister's name, you know what I mean? If I got upset with her. And um, Ellie is kind of, was named in honor of her aunt, but uh, she's like, very, like, her personality and looks, and it's very similar, really similar. So uh, that's my graduation. Not, this is the first time she had to be on oxygen. She went on oxygen when she was 17, and um, that's her holding Taylor, my oldest daughter. So thank you, God, for that. She got to hold her. Um, you, can, you can put it... Okay, so her, me her name meaning is brave, a warrior, yes, she was, loyal, oh, to 
the death. She would scratch anybody's eyes out for you. Encouraging, she was always encouraging, insightful, youthful, jovial, personable, adaptable. That's her. That was her. She had to adapt to so much. She had to be adapt to being like poked and prodded and tortured. Put it to black screen now. Um, while she was in the hospital, you know, and um, she could tell a bad nurse from a good nurse. When they walk in the door, and when she knew it was going to be bad, it was going to be bad. And they would take seven times just to find a vein, you know. That girl, she was like, like a human pincushion. Um, so there was like, there was a sad side. But anyway, so growing up, you know, she's going to, God's a healer. So at 11 months, she almost dies again. So three days, 11 months. And God healed her. Then at three years old, my dad, he said, you know, he's, he's going and having meetings, praying for people, and they're getting healed. Of like stage four cancer, ears opening, people coming out of wheelchairs, people getting off of crutches. And then he goes home and he looks at his daughter. So he just gets frustrated. I don't know. He says he was young and dumb, and he goes, God, if you're not going to heal her, just take her home. How many of you ever prayed stupid prayers? <laughs> so almost instantaneously, she has to be hospitalized for a severe infection. We were in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was called the City of Faith. It was actually a Christian hospital at the time, and it was a Christian doctor who said, I'm sorry, it doesn't look good. All of her stats say that unless God does a miracle, she doesn't have 24 hours to live. So my dad went away, he got in the car, and he prayed a prayer of apology to the Lord. And he said, Lord, I don't care. I just, can, you, can I just keep her, please? I'm so sorry that I ever prayed that. I, I don't fully understand that, and I don't expect you to either. We know in part, and we prophesy in part. It's right there in the word. Um, one day we'll know. One day we'll know. When the veil has been lifted, we'll know it all. So she turned right when he prayed that prayer, and God gave her another healing, and she came up out of that hospital. And she sang. I'm pretty sure the girl sang before she spoke, not sure because I was pretty young, but she always embarrassed me because I'm five and I'm old enough to know that you do not sing yes, Jesus loves me at the top of your lungs in the grocery store. <laughs> so you saw how cute she is. It's just this like chubby little blonde kid in riding in the grocery cart singing, yes, Jesus love me, like top of her lungs, top. And I'm telling you, people are running from all over the grocery store and like staring down the aisle to see this strange little blonde kid belting out, yes, Jesus loves me. And I'm like, oh, God, they're all looking, oh. Like, Kelly, shut up, shut up, shut up. We should have never done it to her, but she would sing everywhere. She would sing at the dinner table. So me and my brother, she would just annoy us, you know. And we were like, no singing at the dinner table. It's rude. 
the things you do, in hindsight, you'd be like, sing a little more, sister. So um, can you pull up that video? Silent Night first. So we managed to capture some of her singing. We'll just play about a minute of it, and you guys can look it up on YouTube later. I'm sorry about the horrendous music video. I did not put those together. She sang with 30% lung capacity. We had a recorder in the recording studio like when she got older because she would cough in between singing. But she would get up under the anointing and she would sing Let Your Fire Fall for about an hour. And the Lord would preserve her, you know, preserve her life. I really want to find that footage and put it on YouTube because it will bless you. But um, she, w she was so amazing. So I actually, my parents didn't know I could sing because she had always so embarrassed me that I was a secret singer. <laughs> In my room where nobody saw me, in the shower maybe, but it was a complete secret. So uh, I remember one time my dad thought it, it would be so cute, and it would have been, right? And he's like, I'm going to get the girls both up to sing, you know, yes, Jesus loves me. I'm five, she's three, and we were like, the stage was, we were on the flat part of the stage, but there were like mic wires running across. I don't know why. But anyways, huh. Before I learned to be obedient to, you know, the minister of the house, <laughs> I was five, okay, some grace. And he wants us to sing, yes, Jesus loves me. Well, you know what? I didn't want to sing, yes, Jesus loves me. So I held the mic, and I didn't sing a thing. And so my sister starts belting it out. She's only three, and she turns, and she realizes that she's all alone in singing this, and she just drops the microphone, runs away, trips over the mic cord, starts crying her head off, and that was the last time we got to sing together for many years. <laughs> Could have been singing from a lot younger of an age if I had just done what I was, what I was told. Live and learn. So then I got, um, I actually had vocal lessons when I was 15, and my dad found out I could actually sing, and he, like, kicked me up on stage so fast it made my head spin. And honestly, if he hadn't pushed me out of my comfort zone, I would still be just singing in the shower. Because <laughs> I was straight terrified. I was not the crazy lady that you see now with boldness, unashamed. I was not that. I was like, White knuckling the microphone. Okay, you can play the next video. In this video, I'm singing with my sister, and I'm so glad she's there because I'm only 16. And this is at Madison Square Garden. There's 20,000 people there. Let your presence fill this place. How we long to seek your face as we worship and adore you. Let your spirit rain upon us, let your mercy 
Okay, so I was so glad <laughs> that was the restoration, you know, <laughs> from, <laughs> from, running away, from her running away when she was three. So that was, it took like how many years later, 11, 11 years. So I got to sing with her again, and I was so glad she was there. And, you know, she had her eyes closed, and I was like, dear God in heaven, <laughs> so, you know, lift me with your hand. I, it, it's, it's straight terrifying. So it takes a long time to get comfortable. So my sister, she was just, I don't know, she was vivacious. A lot of people, when somebody dies, they just, you know, like, they're an angel with wings on, and they're perfect, and they've never done anything wrong. I mean, like I said, she would embarrass me with her singing, but the other thing she would do is we would be walking into, like, Publix or whatever, and somebody's outside smoking a cigarette, and she'd be like, <laughs> I mean, just that loud. And my eyes, I was like, oh, God, run away, run away. And she would be like, how can anybody smoke when they have good lungs and they're ruining it with a cigarette? Ugh. I mean, I would give anything to have good lungs. And she would just go off. And I'd be like, oh, dear God. <laughs> it was horrifying. So, you know, she, she had her moments. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm human. I'm a work in progress. Thank you for putting up with me if you're the wife or husband. <laughs> Thank you, baby. <laughs> so, so we went, th you know, we went through all that, and then, um, so she, the doctors had said she wouldn't live past four years old, and and she lived a better life. She rode camels. She ate kangaroo in Australia. Don't get sad. They're like rats over there. They're everywhere. Um, she, she tried, you know, she was adventurous. She tried things. She climbed mountains. She saw more of the world than some people do in 90 years of living. Um, you know, we took her around traveling. She got to sing. She, I mean, we squeezed every drop of life. She had a full, 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 full life. Uh, because of her disease, she never grew up. She never went through puberty. Um, so she always, you know, was upset with that that she still looked like a 12-year-old, and people would call her a 12-year-old. She was just a little shorter than me, and, um, but she was really skinny and just never, you know, crossed the threshold to become a woman, which is extremely frustrating when you're, like, 16, 17. And she, you know, she was human. She wanted the boys to notice her, but they weren't because she looked like a 12-year-old. So, you know, there was all those things. Um, so then when she got on oxygen, my brother and I, we lived in a household of faith. We never lost anybody super close to us. So when we saw her dying, we didn't know that she was dying. And when she went into hospital, we thought it'll just be like every other time where she, you know, she had to go in a hospital, she had to get a treatment, and then she'll be back out again, just like every other time. We didn't know. So um, I was going to go visit her on Christmas Eve and um, give her a present I got for her. I got a necklace engraved with her name and, like, I love you from Kirsten on the back. And, you know, and um, Taylor was only five and a half months old and she had diarrhea and I couldn't leave her with her dad at the time because he was a, he didn't, he was bad. He's a bad dude. So I, I called the lady who was going to drive me to her, and I said, oh, I'm sorry, I can't 
do it tonight. Taylor is having diarrhea, so I can't go. And, um, you know, some of you are left with regret when you lose a loved one. And I can identify with that regret. Um, that plagued me for a long time. And um, so anyways, my parents went to the hospital and uh, the doctor had told her, uh, look, we'll give you steroids to be able to ease your breathing. And she looked at him and she reamed him out. She's like, no, you're not going to give me steroids. I don't want to be sterile. I want to have children. She was going to have like 12, uh, six of her own and six adopted. She had big dreams. This is the household we lived in. And the doctor looks at my mom like she's an idiot. And he's like, did you not tell her? And my mom's like, let's step out into the hall. So he talks to her and he goes, listen, ma'am, you have to tell her that she is dying. And she doesn't know it. And so my mom's like, we've, ne we've never told her she was going to die. We always told her she was going to live, and she has. And, um, but they went back in the room, and uh, my mom had the doctor explain to her that she was dying. And you know, it was really hard for her to process because that's not what was in her mind. And uh, anyway, so my dad went, and um, he went and held her. My mom went home and showered. Then he called her and said, come to the hospital. My mom was trying to get home. She was trying to get ready for Christmas Day. So it was Christmas Eve into Christmas morning. So she went there to the hospital. My sister, my dad had talked to my sister. Now, the other thing about my sister, that was her humanity. But, I mean, I, I recommend you get rid of this. It's what the Bible is for. She, she would get unforgiveness in her heart towards people. And um, she would hold on to it. She, she wouldn't let it go very, very easily because she was such a strong person. So um, my dad looked at her and he said, all right, well, I'm not sure I should say all the things he said. We're, we're those crazy people that believe God, okay? So don't let this shock you. But he said, baby, why don't you just go to Jesus get your new lungs and come back. Because we had met somebody who had died and rose from the dead. It happens in modern day, believe it or not. The Bible says that they raised the dead. It still happens today. Amen? So he said, do that. But he goes, I know you, and you're not going to want to come back from heaven. And she's like, no, Daddy, I will, I will. He goes, no, you won't. You don't even want to leave Disney World when it's time to go. And he wanted to go. <laughs> He's like, no. He's like, I can't even wake you up when you're having a good dream. You think I'm going to be able to call you out of heaven? <gasps> no, Daddy, I'm definitely coming back. I'm definitely coming back. Okay, sure. So um, he, he pulls her close to him. And, uh, well, she, he talked to her about death, and her body started to shake. And so he goes, are, are you scared? And she goes, no, but my body is. Your spirit is ready to go to heaven right now. But your physical body has self-preservation. And it doesn't want to die. Because when you die, it's over for your body, but your spirit lives forever. It's just a matter of where. So her body started to shake. And it was such a revelation to me. I'm like, wow, she wasn't 
scared. She's like, no, I'm not scared, but my body's like, my body doesn't want to give up. <laughs> so it was the first time that her brain was communicating with her body that this was it. This was the end. So he pulled her in. He started singing songs over her. He's holding her. He was propped up. He <laughs> was singing about the Lord. And she was just going like this. <sighs> which if you know anything about cystic fibrosis, it's an extremely peaceful death. She left very peacefully, 4.30 in the morning on Christmas morning. And uh, at 5.30, I got the call nobody wants to get. I still to this day have PTSD from early morning phone calls. Now that's why nobody, uh, uh, there's very few people that have my phone number and very few people in my favorite list that can disturb the sleep setting, if you know what I mean. I'm like, if you died, I'll find out about it tomorrow. <laughs> and I ain't doing it. <laughs> okay, so I wake up and, and my dad says, baby, your sister's gone home. And I'm like, what? I'm still asleep. So my brain is just like trying to like wake up and and I'm like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? We were supposed to go to the hospital. We were going to have Christmas there with her. We were going to see her. And then, like, just, you know, all the emotions just flood you. What, you're trying to process what, how, where, when, and you're just waking up. And it, it, was, it was horrifying in that moment. But now, this Christmas will be 20 years, and you can look back and you can look back over the people that you've lost, the loved ones that you've lost, and you know all their flaws, and you know all their failures, but you can say, God, what can I, what can I gather from their life? What was it that inspired me about their person? Can you put the tile up, Carol? We found out years later that she wrote this on a ceiling tile that was placed in the hospital, and she dated it. Kelly, you can see it etched in the side. Kelly, 10, 26, 2004. One, sorry. It's hard. Hard to see. Okay. What you are about to read is not a myth. It did happen. 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus, the Son of God, traveled and healed people in God's name. For doing this, he was taken and crucified on a cross. He knew it would happen because he had to do it to fulfill the word of God. He died on that cross and went to hell to pay the price for our sins. Three days later, he rose from the dead. Ask Jesus to forgive your sins. Accept him as Lord and you will be saved. Find a Bible for more info. Got God? As happy as we were to see that, my whole family was kind of bummed that it got removed from its place. It had been up in the hospital, I think, I want to say 10 and 12 years it had been on the ceiling of a hospital, so whoever was in that room, her life was still testifying to the love of God. <laughs> she is the reason that I wake up every day and I put one foot in front of the other and I breathe 
with all my lungs that God gave me, and I sing at the t- at the top of my lungs while, while still pre- preserving my go- vocal cords in Jesus' name. <laughs> when Anna, and I knew I had to preach this message today, when Anna hit the part and tremble about the breath in our lungs, and and I just remember that with 30% lung capacity, she's saying, with 30%, she would go out on the streets and she would lead people to Jesus. She went to Bible school her last year of life. She carted around an oxygen tank and she barely would let anybody help her. She was so stubborn. I mean, literally, like, it's this huge tank on wheels, and she's like, no, no, leave me alone. Like, you know, it could seem crotchety to other people, but if you knew her, you knew that she just wanted to be able to do it on her own. You can close your eyes right now, and you can think of the loved ones that you've lost that have gone on before, and you could be like, Lord, please, you know, whatever they left undone, undone on this earth. Let me let me also fulfill that purpose. But think of yourself right now. God has a plan and a purpose for your life and you need to make it to your appointed end. When God has appointed for you to die because the enemy does take people too soon. He does. It's true. But for my sister's life well after she died, it was a couple years before I found out that the doctors gave my sister four years to live. My parents never told us that. My aunt had to tell me that. So I was like, thank you, God, for 14 more years with that girl. Thank you, Lord, for her life. Thank you, Lord, for her love. Thank you, Lord, for her encouragement. And thank you, Lord, for her fiery passion for you. And thank you, Lord, for her boldness. That even when people see me and they think I'm bold, I'm nowhere near as bold as she was. He gives beauty for ashes. There are people, if, as a pastor, we know that there are people all throughout the body of Christ that are hurting and they're in pain, but God doesn't want you to stay in your hurt and in your pain. He wants you to be delivered and he wants you to be set free. And the reason why I told my sister's testimony today is, number one, it's in memoriam. It's her 38th birthday, even though she's had them in heaven, 19 of them. She's been up there longer than she was down here. But I want her life to encourage you, to inspire you, to pick up the mantle and be like, look, you don't have to do anybody else's job. You just have to be a light in the darkness, in the school that you work in, in the business, amongst your coworkers, in the cubicle, on the Zooms. You need to get full. You need to come to church, be with the body, Be encouraged in the Lord. Love on one another. Live for others. Guys, the world tells you self-love, but self-love is the most unfulfilling thing that there could possibly be. God 
created us to reach out to others, to be an inspiration and an encouragement to others, and to just hug them, love them with the love of the Lord. Let them see Jesus in your smile. Let them feel Jesus in your touch. Let them see Jesus through you. You might be the only Jesus that they ever see. Encourage yourself. Read the word. Learn that it's a love letter. Yes, there's a lot of crazy stuff in here. It's very entertaining. Some of it is cautionary tales. God used, God, every man and woman that God used in this Bible, not one of them was perfect. And that should encourage you. And he used them and he partnered with them to accomplish his plans and purposes on the, on the earth. If there is anybody here and you do not know Jesus, I pray that you would make him Lord and Savior of your life today. I pray that you would ask Jesus to come be the Lord of your heart and your life. When you pray that prayer for the rest of you that are already saved, there's a lot of mockery online about praying a prayer. But guess what? When you pray, dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Wash me and cleanse me from all my sins. Let me never be the same again. I want you to be Lord of my life. You are opening the door for God to come in your life. It is the first step on the road to salvation. It's a road and it's an, a journey. And the Bible says, he who endures till the end shall be saved. That prayer is an opening prayer. If all you ever do for somebody is pray that prayer for them, with them, that is more than enough. Then you can walk away and you can say, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will take them from glory to glory, that you put me in their path to lead them to Jesus, but now you will lead them to a, a church that believes the word of God to a church that believes that God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing that our God cannot do. To a church that just focuses on the good. It matters about your perspective. I could live my life crying about everything I lost when she died, and it was a lot. Or I could live my life with a smile on my face and encourage you to carry on. And encourage you that you are important and that you matter and that God loves you so much. He gave everything for you. I don't, I don't want you to leave here today if you have any pain in your heart we have pastors waiting to pray for you i don't want you to leave here today in pain i want i want you to come get hands laid on you by pastors and 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 just loved on and just feel the presence and the love of god i want this message to have an impact in your life that reaches into eternity i want you to know that you're valuable and precious to god and that every little thing that you do do to shine light in the darkness matters 
when you lead one person to the Lord, their life can be activated in the kingdom and they can lead many to the Lord. And your one will turn into multiples. And one day when you cross onto the other side in heaven, you're going to have people coming up to you and say it's because of your life, because you had boldness to open your mouth and tell me about Jesus that I was able to lead all these people to the Lord. Look what you did. The Bible says even a child is known by his doings. So let's let our doings be for the glory of God. Amen. I don't often tell my testimony. That's only a third of my testimony about the fire I've walked through. That's why I get a little crazy up there when I'm like, walk me through the fire. Do what you are famous for. Because he has walked me through the fire. And you can tell all of our singers that have really walked through the fire, they sing with passion. They just, they just can't. You can't. You can't unless you've been through it, okay? So... That's why I'm crazy, if it helps any of you understand. Hopefully you know I love you like crazy. Hopefully I know, hopefully you know. Look, it's not always, we don't always get to hear the testimonies of what God has done in the lives of people here. I know there are so many, and I know, I know we only hear like a tenth of them if we're, if we're blessed enough. But a life saved healed, delivered, set on fire, and with a burning passion for Jesus, that's Pastor Caleb and all the pastors here. That's our whole goal. We lay our life down regularly to see that happen in your life. We lay our life down regularly to see heaven come to earth. I, I love praise and worship because... If I can get into that place where I can feel heaven meet earth. You know, everybody talks about the great cloud of witnesses looking over at you. They can see you when you're in God's presence. He protects them from your sadness and your darkness. So he doesn't let them experience that in heaven. They can see you when you lead people to Jesus. They can see you when you're in God's presence. So for me, my sister, and others that have gone on before that I dearly love, I love to worship because I'm like, I'm right there. I'm right there in heavenly places. I'm worshiping God along with her. I'm singing with her again. I'm praising Jesus with her again. I told somebody yesterday my brother Ankit I said look 88 pearly gates he's like no come on you need to live to be 96 I was like no 88 is long enough I've been waiting a long time to see my Jesus' face and God the father and my sister and my uncle my my granny and my grandfather and who knows who else will be up there by the time he calls me home um my father-in-law, my father-in-law passed away our first year as pastor here. We hadn't even been pastoring a whole year, and he passed away in December. 
not on Christmas Day. Thank you, Dad, for that. It was still Christmas, though, Christmas time. Uh, he lived to be 65, so I was grateful for that. Could have kept him till 88. That would be fun. I loved him. Uh, I didn't mean to make everybody cry today. <laughs> um, Maybe this will change how you worship. Maybe this will change how you praise when you think of the ones that you have lost. When the things of the when you think of the ones that have gone on to heaven before you. Of course I'm worshiping God. I, I've heard it said people are like, Well, who are you accountable to? Which is hilarious because honestly they don't even listen to their own pastors. So that's that's just the funniest thing out. But who are you accountable to? I'm accountable to the great white throne of judgment. I'm accountable to God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the precious Holy Spirit. I'm accountable to him on this life and in the life to come. He said that we would give an account for every word out of our mouth. And that's why I try to make sure that every word out of my mouth is based on his word so that I know that I'll stay in alignment I can't preach to you a woke gospel by a church that has been infiltrated and taken over by straight demons. There are people, and it's been happening for years, they've taken over seminaries, and they have taught them not to trust Genesis to Revelation, and they have taught them not to trust sowing and reaping, and they have taught them, and then they get into pulpits and they preach doctrines of demons to people. And because people are greedy, and because people are selfish, they take it in as the gospel truth, but it's a lie. And so you wonder why you've gone into churches and it's as dead as a doornail. It's because the devil has had his way. He's lied to them and they ate of the fruit. And they're perverted and they're tainted. Pastor Caleb and I and all the pastors here, we don't have sermon writers. Believe it or not, there are people out there with six different sermon writers, and they are well-versed at getting up and reading from their script. Our sermon writers is the Holy Ghost and fire. Upper room power. It fell upon me. I talked in tongues. So they come in and they see you as crazy. They see your eyes burning like fire. Well, guess what? My Jesus looked like that. Guess what? My Jesus offended the religious. He drove them away. He probably just wanted to get some peace and quiet, if you know what I'm saying. He said crazy things like, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, the crowd disappears. He's asking us to participate in cannibalism. He didn't even try to explain it. <laughs> he was just like, good, I thought they would never leave. <laughs> I'm tired. You might think it's heresy for me to say that Jesus was tired, but I have it on good authority that he was because he took a pillow and laid down in the boat. <laughs> it was storming, and he's like, nope. Not going to do it. I'm taking a nap. Because he was stuck in, in this earth suit. 
Pinch yourself. Pinch yourself. Say, I'm stuck in this earth suit. I have to give it sleep. I have to give it water. I have to give it food. But more than anything, I have to give it the word of God so I can overcome. In May of 2019, Pastor Summer has told this before, so I'm allowed. Pastor Summer collapsed in her heart. And the doctor said that unless she got a heart transplant, she never told any of this, any of us this, but I felt it. That unless she got a heart transplant, she would not make it one year. So her determined expiration date was supposed to be May of 2020. And here she sits. And to God be the glory, but Pastor Summer is just as beautifully stubborn as my sister. And I know that's why she's still with us today. And she knows, and she knows she's here for a purpose, and she's here for a plan, and she lifts us up, and she encourages us, and she's the wife to her husband, and she's the mom to her children, and she's going to live and not die and show forth the glory of God, and she's going to see her grandchildren. And she is going to impart her radical faith to her grandchildren. And she is a living, walking, talking, breathing testimony of the goodness of God through trials, through sufferings. She has persevered. A lot of you in this place have too. Those that haven't, I want you to get with somebody else and encourage each other in the Lord. Encourage each other to keep going. So when P Pastor Caleb was preaching on the favor of God, this is the favor. That even though, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I have walked. I have walked through a lot of valleys and a lot of shadows. And I know, so, I know a lot of you have too. And I hope that this encourages you to keep going. If there's anybody, always know this. These altars are open for you to come up and you to get prayer from these pastors that love the Lord with all their heart and mind and soul. Pastor Caleb, will you help me close out the service today? Thanks for listening to River Claremont's podcast. We pray you were greatly blessed by this message. If you'd like to keep up to date with what's happening at the River Claremont Church, visit us at riverclaremont.com.